Welcome to Giant Cocktails Happy Hour, a podcast where two amateur mixologists introduce homemade cocktails and discuss what makes each one a giant hit. Now, here are your hosts, Finn and Matthew Henry. Hey there, fans of the flavorful and the fizzy. I'm Matthew Henry, your captain of cocktails, the sultan of spirits, and your maven of mixers. Sailing the high seas of spirits with me is none other than Ben Henry, today's czar of zest and zing. Strap in, because we're on a mixological journey like no other. We're navigating the wide world of cocktails, from tried-and-true classics to mixtures so outrageous they'll make your taste buds do the cha-cha? So gather your shakers, your strainers, and your sense of adventure for another episode of Giant Cocktails Happy Hour. Let's get this party started. How you doing, czar of zest and zing? Well, I'm doing quite well, maven. I'm a sultan, a maven, and a captain, all in one. I feel like I should dial back the the superfluous uh, comments for me. <laughs> I, I I like being a czar. Hey, who doesn't like being compared to Catherine, Peter, Pablo Escobar? <laughs> well, no, I thought czars were like the head of like of a law enforcement task force. Oh, that's you know, true. like yeah, I'm yeah, the I'm drug czar. Like that doesn't mean yes. you're in charge of the drugs. It seems like you should be in charge of the drugs. Yeah, but yeah. you're actually in charge of like stopping the drugs. I don't know, but I was going more old school. I was gonna say like. I was going to compare myself to my all-time favorite czar, Ivan. I dressed up as Ivan the Terrible in sixth grade, or maybe it was fifth grade. I don't remember which. But I dressed up as him in school for a school project. And uh, and I based all of my research off of a, a bunch of books that I had sent to me by the Soviet Union. Matthew, because I sent, I wrote a letter to the Soviet consulate asking for information about their history and their government so that I could do a report on them. And they sent me so much stuff. It was like a stack of books. Wow. I don't remember this at all. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you were, I don't know, you were off doing drugs or something. You know how you were when we were kids. And... It's not true. That's not true, folks. I don't know. I don't know what he was doing. Like, you know what? I don't know what he was doing. I was studying, probably. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, is that what you were doing? I don't know. I was five years younger than you. Whatever. I was 10. But anyway, Matthew, all of that is a roundabout way of saying, I like being a czar. I think we should keep that superlative for me. And uh, and my week's been pretty good. It was pretty chill. How are you? How are you doing? I'm I'm doing fine. You know, uh, we've... Uh, gotten into a week of school now at our ha- house and you know when everyone's back in school it's kind of like you know the it seems like all is right in the world again you know like the routines pick up and you just kind of get into that whole routine of like sports after school and you know practice and you know this last week we had soccer photo day and ooh, so it just seems like now we're getting back into this the real stuff you know the summer stuff where you're just you're just living by like 
like you know like there's no plan you just you just kind of swinging it and and now now we've got a schedule now there's like things to do and so i feel like I mean, we're getting back into that uh but that that leads me to a question i have for you today so right now mo- you know most people are back in school mm-hmm. and in your school days not college days but like you know school let's let's go elementary school days oh my god do you have a favorite or a memorable first day like memory that you could share I Matthew, that was so long ago. There's literally a whole school year that I don't remember. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, Matthew, but in second grade, our mother moved us from the United States to Mexico, like two months into the school year. Is that where that was? Do we know? Do we know that was Mexico? It could have been like just like 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 Texas, and we wouldn't have known. Only you wouldn't have known because you went to a school where everybody spoke English and you guys played hooky and drove around in people's cars, even though they weren't old enough to drive because they all worked at the Ford factory. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yes. I went to an all Catholic school where nobody spoke English whatsoever, except the English teacher and the Canadian students. That's right. The three Canadian girls that were in my class, two French Canadian twins and their evil friend from Ontario, Margarita. And if it wasn't for Pablo, my best friend, who didn't speak a lick of English and I didn't speak a lick of Spanish, who saved my life, I don't know what would have happened. And I don't know how we got off on this tangent. (laughs) That's your memory. That's my memory. That's my brutal memory of first day of school. My first day of school in Mexico when I was seven years old. It was horrible. But that's probably why I don't remember third grade in uh, in back when we returned to the United States, because I was probably just in recovery mode and a lot of PTSD, yeah. a lot of PTSD. Yeah. All right. My first days, I was trying to remember. It must have been third grade. And uh, we had to take a city bus to get back home. And, you know, my our mother had explained to me how I got on the bus and I had to walk like about a quarter mile down the road to meet this bus you know, that, you know, to go back up to where we lived. And I came off first day of school, came down the hill and I happened to see a bus right across the street. Got on it. And I thought and I thought, well, there it is. There's the bus. You always were the bright one in the family. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I ran across the street, got on the bus and then within Two minutes, I realized I was on the wrong bus. And I, I didn't say anything. I just sat there, like, terrified uh, what was happening. And we just kept driving and driving and stops and stops and driving and driving. And I ended up in Capitola. And we the, the final stop was the Capitola Mall. And the bus driver turns around and looks, and I'm still sitting on the bus. And there's no cell phones then. There's no, like, you know, you just call somebody, Right. So he's like, what? And I'm like, at this point, I think I'm, I'm, I'm crying. I think there's tears. And so he comes and gets me and he asks me where I'm supposed to be. And I know where I'm supposed to be. So I tell him and he says, okay, we're going to get you back home. So he takes me over to another bus and he tells the bus driver there, Hey, this guy needs to get back. And he tells him where to go. So that bus driver says, come on in. So we go all the way down to downtown Santa Cruz to the Metro center there. Then he gets off the bus, walks me over to another bus driver and says, hey, this guy needs to get back on up to you know where you're going. And so um, and he said, all right. And so that bus driver took me uh, home. And, uh, you know, and and so but I just wonder would that happen today. I mean, you know, what, what, you know there would be like phone calls. There'd be cops. There'd be social media. 
grandmother, ah. our mother would have been arrested. You know, I mean, there's just there's like like there's so many things that would have gone wrong. Right. There well, at least two bus wears... drivers would have been arrested for kidnapping. Um, <laughs> also, you probably would have been live streaming it, even though you're probably. you were yeah. nine years old or whatever it was. You probably would have been live streaming it. I'm being kidnapped. Um. You know, and uh, I will tell you this, though. It still would have been your fault once you got home. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And and I actually don't even know if 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 our mother ever knew. I don't even know if I ever told our mother that that happened. Like it just uh, it just was like I got home safely and that was it. But I never took the wrong bus again. I, I learned mm-hmm. my lesson. I do want to be clear about one thing. It definitely was your fault. Oh, it totally was. It was yeah. anybody else's fault. Uh, all right. Well, so, um, you know what time it is. Is it that time? It's that time. Time, time for tip, tip of the, the day. day. Tip of the day, Ben. Tip of the day. And you know, it's getting harder and harder to think of tips. Um, honestly, I think we've mentioned this in the past, but today you showed me uh, your photo, be- or uh, not your photo. You showed me your cocktail before we went on, and it's beautiful. Yes, it's got it is. Layers of colors and. And I was like, how, how does, how do you do that? Mm. And so we thought that would be a good tip is, you know, what are some easy ways to make your cocktail look good? And, you know, the easiest way that I can think of usually is a good old garnish, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you could up your garnish game, you know, an orange peel or a lemon peel. And you can like, you know, you can, you can make them into different shapes if you want and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, I think another one is, you know, especially on sours with egg whites, you know, you can, uh, you know, put some bitters on there and then kind of uh, with a toothpick, drag the bitters around and kind of make a design. In this particular case, you, well, why don't you explain how you made your cocktail look so pretty? My cocktail, which has a very heavy and darkly colored liqueur in it, and it is designed actually in such a way that you put that particular liqueur at the bottom, and then you layer and build the rest of the cocktail on top of it, which creates this really cool layered effect, and it's super easy to do. Because the liqueur and and the rest of the liquids, they just do all the work for you. And it creates a, a really nice layered effect. The other thing that I would recommend is really cool glassware and good lighting. You know, yeah, those go a long way. <laughs> yes. So there you go. That's how you make cocktails look good. I like it. All right. Well, uh, I think it's time for me to go first this week. Yes, yes it is. What is the name of your cocktail today, Matthew? It is called Summer Haze. And if you recall, gosh, I guess way back in episode 130, which was in uh, early July, I did a drink called Summer Days. And so that one was a gin-based cocktail. And this one is almost the entirely in its entirety the same cocktail, except I've swapped out bourbon. And there is one other notable exception. So what is in the summer haze? It's got two ounces of bourbon, a half ounce of Amaro Nonino Quintessentia, a half ounce of strawberry syrup, one ounce of lemon juice, two dashes of lavender bitters, and an egg white. And you take all those ingredients and you put them into a cocktail shaker without ice and shake vigorously for five to ten seconds. 
Then you add ice and shake again until it's chilled. And then you double strain it into a, well, actually, you don't need to double strain. Just strain it into a chilled coupe glass and garnish with a strawberry. And uh, what, what uh, so the, the summer days was the exact same um, uh, ingredients, except it had two ounces of gin instead of bourbon. And instead of just a strawberry syrup, it had a strawberry shrub. Uh, if you recall, that's what I did a uh, drinking vinegar that was strawberry based. But this time I, I removed the shrub and I just added a half ounce of strawberry syrup. And uh, it's it's a it, it was in an effort to kind of continue my summer cocktail themes. And, you know, with the strawberry uh, and to me, it just strawberries just it just screams summer. Right. You're not going to have a strawberry cocktail in the dead of winter. You're, you're going to have that in, in the summer. And so this cocktail is um, actually kind of like it better than the summer days. Uh, the bourbon is just a really good complement to the Amaro Nonino and the strawberry. Uh, just all of it goes really well. And, and if you really look at it, it is kind of a sour cocktail template, kind of like what we were celebrating last week with National Whiskey Sour Day. So uh, this is a... Um, this cocktail is is nice in that the Nonino is adds some sweetness. The Amaro adds some sweetness, and the strawberry uh, adds the sweetness itself, but also you know obviously that fruity flavor. And then the lavender bitters kind of gives it a little floral punch to it too, and uh, I think kind of adds to that summery kind of feel. So uh, I really like this cocktail, and I uh, highly recommend you trying the summer haze. Not days. Okay, so I'm looking back at your recipe for summer days and I noticed that yes, in that particular case you you're you're using gin instead of bourbon. Huge change. I I, I mean, I cannot stress enough how big of a change this is. I mean, these are two vastly different spirits, different in almost every way. You know, gin, people sometimes describe it as floral, but let's face it, it's not floral. It is peppery. And I think that swap out in and of itself makes a huge, huge change to this cocktail, which is one of the amazing things about about cocktails in general, right? Like, is that you can make a, a very simple change like this, changing one ingredient, but because it's the base of the cocktail and because that base is so very different from the other spirit that you're changing in. You get an entirely different cocktail, right? You go from peppery, but also kind of light to something that is sweeter profile, but also moodier, darker in flavors. But the other thing I noticed is, is that you have a strawberry shrub here. And if I remember correctly, that shrub was a poor man's or a cheater shrub where you made that quickly, right? You didn't like Yeah, it was uh, equal parts of the strawberry syrup and um and and champagne vinegar. Right. Right. Yeah. So so what I did is I actually dialed back the amount as well on this. So it's only a half ounce of the syrup whereas the shrub had a full ounce. Right. Right. Uh, um I noticed that you have okay, and so you have a lot of you have a lot of lemon juice in here an ounce. I generally prefer 3 quarters of an ounce, right? Anything more than that against 2 ounces of spirit generally tends to be too too sour for me. I do notice that you don't I mean because you don't have the shrub that 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 is another reduction here, um, but you do keep yeah, the amaro. You, need, you needed the acidity because the syrup and the amaro are very sweet. Right, 
And so there's an ounce of that combined. And so you really did need an ounce of the lemon juice. I mean, when I drink Amaro, Matthew, I never think sweet. You know what I mean? But And, and usually you're right. But the Amaro Nonino is on the sweeter side. It, it has a sweet uh, right. um, profile. Right. Well, and it is. And that's the first thing that you na- you notice. I think what happens with me is, is that I just remember the finish. Right. On Amaro. Right. I noticed the finish on Amaro's and I'm just like, ah, it's just too bitter. But but the it but it does start really, really sweet. I do wonder, would you classify this as more of a darker kind of deep dog days of summer or is this like a light and refreshing cocktail? You know, I, I think it's still on the lighter side. I think the strawberry and the lemon juice, you know, you get that fruitiness there that's still pretty, pretty light. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's dark and brooding at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, you know, obviously with bourbon, you kind of think think that way and, and maybe even with the Amaro. But it still feels very fresh uh, when, when you drink it. So I, I wouldn't go as say it's a dark drink by any means. And then just a quick note. I'm sorry. With the strawberry syrup, it is homemade strawberry syrup where I took like a, a pound, a 16 ounce uh, thing of strawberries and I and I took almost all of them. I think I saved three or four for garnishes. Uh, but then I chopped up all the other ones into kind of you know smaller pieces, and I threw them in a big old uh, Tupperware, and um, and then put a, sh- a a cup of sugar over that, and then basically let it sit in the fridge for a couple days, a day or two, and uh, and it made this really nice strawberry syrup. You shake it, go in and shake it a couple times just to kind of get the sugar to kind of. Uh, blend in. Uh, in my case, the sugar didn't all incorporate, uh, but it, for the most part, it did. And uh, it was a very nice strawberry syrup that came out of that. Oh, interesting. So in this case, you didn't like combine it with like a heated, a heated simple syrup or something no, like that. No, I just, I guess just the maceration process of the mm-hmm. sugar in the, mm-hmm. it was really nice. So that is what I'm drinking today, Ben. What are you drinking? Well, thank you for asking, Matthew. Uh, today, I am drinking what I am calling a gin cure cocktail. And the reason, like, I, I how I got to this cocktail was was a little bit roundabout. Uh, for, for reasons that I, I won't go into deeply, I was researching, or not researching, I was experimenting with gin cocktails this week. Uh, gin, uh, gin sour cocktails, to be exact. And I realized that I was going down a path that was identical to a path that you had taken us down recently. And I realized that I needed to make a drastic change to what I was doing. And so what I was actually making was a gin, uh, rosemary, ginger, sour which is exactly the cocktail that you made last week, except with whiskey. And uh, and the reason I was doing that was because, like, those were the ingredients that I had at hand, right? So I was starting with a template that I knew very well, the gin sour, and I was just adding and modifying to it to see if I could create something new that was interesting to me. And And I really did enjoy the direction that I was going, but I realized, okay, this is a little bit too repetitive. So I so pivoted. I pivoted. And what I did is I pivoted by opening up my bar and looking at the ingredients that I had at hand. And what I had at hand was a lot of creme de cassis, a lot of pineapple juice, amongst many other things. And I threw a lot of different ingredients into our good old friend, Google, not ChatGPT, 
and I said, find me some find me some cocktails that have some of these ingredients in them. And a cocktail that came up was the gin, pineapple, and creme de cassis cocktail called the Gen Cure Cocktail, made by none other than Martha Stewart, famed Wall Street trader. That's what she's famous for, right? Yeah, and hanging out with Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Oh, right. Well, that's really what she's famous for. Uh, and and actually, I don't think she made this drink because because I looked at the I looked at the people who who actually made this and it's and it's credited to Martha Stewart Test Kitchen. So I'm guessing Martha, you know, she's got a whole industry and um, and she just paid. Martha doesn't have to. Yeah, Martha doesn't do have to do anything. They just tell her what to. Yeah. 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 Must be nice. Um Anyway, I mean, sure, it must be nice, actually. Uh, but I saw this cocktail, and I was like, you know what? I got a lot of creme de cassis. I got a lot of pineapple juice. I'm going to try this one out. So what it has in it is three ounces of pineapple juice, two ounces of gin, half an ounce of lemon juice. And then their particular recipe called for a specific amount of creme de cassis, but I'm going to just say somewhere between a quarter and a half an ounce of creme de cassis. Because your mileage is really going to vary, this actually comes out as a slightly tart cocktail, in my opinion. I think the people that created this original recipe probably felt like the pineapple juice was providing both a little bit of sour and sweetness to to balance the gin, and they only needed just a little bit more lemon juice to help um, to help it along. Uh, to me, this came out being a little bit tart. But again, your mileage might vary. But I will say this. This cocktail, as we intimated at the beginning of the show, really isn't about the taste. And it's a fine cocktail. I'm I'm well into... Well, I'm not going to lie, Matthew. I'm well into my second one tonight. And uh, so, so it, drinks, it drinks just fine. But honestly, Matthew, I think this cocktail is really about its looks. This is a cocktail, and I guess go figure with Martha Stewart, right? Like, yeah, yeah. this cocktail is really a beautiful cocktail to present, and, and it's really actually easy to build. It creates this really kind of, like, wonderful sort of sunset look in the glass. It's got a really dark kind of a purplish-bluish hue at the bottom, um, and then it kind of blends into pinkishes and oranges and then just becomes a pale white at the top. It's really a beautiful cocktail. I, I think my photographs capture it pretty well if you want to go ahead and take a look at those on, on Instagram. Uh, but it is a very pretty cocktail, and it is really easy to get that look. And, and I will tell you how I did it, because I think if you go find this online, don't follow their directions because it's just going to make the whole thing harder. It's going to make the job harder and to get the look that you want. And I will also say this. Like, if you're making a cocktail that calls for a heavy, dark-colored liqueur in it, you can do this with that particular cocktail and get that look. You just have to tell the people who are drinking the cocktail to give it a stir uh, with a straw before before they um, before they imbibe. So, uh, And you're going to have to serve it that way as well if you want them to do that. So here's how I put it together. The first thing that I did is I took a highball glass and I poured in the creme de cassis. I just used enough creme de cassis to cover the bottom of my highball. And my highball is a square-shaped glass. 
and it's kind of wide, so it probably requires a little bit more than a quarter of an ounce to, to fully cover the bottom and get the look that I'm going for. And honestly, I, I probably would have been happy with half an ounce because, as we all know, I have a sweeter palate and I like a sweeter cocktail. And this is the only sweetener beyond the pineapple juice in this cocktail. So, so, but, but just keep that in mind. The creme de cassis is providing not just the color, but also the sweeteners here. So if you want a more tart cocktail, you're going to hold back. If you want a sweeter cocktail, be more liberal. Um, the next thing that you do after you have that in that empty glass, right? You pour the creme de cassis into an empty glass with nothing else in it. Then you add your ice. And I would fill the ice if you have a Collins glass or a highball glass almost all the way to the top because the rest of your ingredients are not going to fill this glass unless you do so. So fill the glass almost all the way to the top with ice. And then in a separate mixing glass, you're going to combine your pineapple juice, your gin, and your lemon juice. Give them a gentle stir with no ice. Then take that and pour it over the top of your ice very slowly, but directly onto the ice so that it trickles down into the glass. You don't want this to go streaming in or splashing in to disturb the creme de cassis at the bottom. And what you should get is a really nice layered effect and a really beautiful looking cocktail. Now, again, this must be stirred by the person enjoying the cocktail, but it's going to present really, really nicely. And it's really easy to make. Um, and honestly, you could do this with any kind of dark colored liqueur like I was talking about. Like you could use a, a blueberry liqueur or, or anything else, a blackberry, uh, anything else that you might have. I'm using creme de cassis. I think in the past I said that I don't even know if they, what we call this in, in, in the U.S. It's, it's black currant, folks. That's what creme de cassis is. Cassis is, it's black currant. Uh, so anyway, and, uh, it creates a very tart but refreshing and fruity cocktail, um, the pineapple juice is very prevalent. The gin is very prevalent. I think uh, it, creates, it creates a nice peppery flavor to balance the pineapple juice. Uh, the lemon just gives it a little, well, quite a bit of bite of, of tartness when combined with the pineapple juice. Um, if you don't like that tartness, another way to cut it is by putting a little club soda on top of it, which also would help. Um, so I encourage you to experiment with this one. But if you're looking for an easy-to-make, very flashy-looking cocktail, try out the Gin Kier cocktail. I don't know why I rolled my R there. But anyway, I did. And that's what I'm drinking today, Matthew. Well, that sounds really refreshing. Definitely kind of a summer-themed cocktail there. I'm curious, though, about the Kier part. Like, what, where does that come from? Uh, that comes from the use of the creme de cassis, Matthew. Adding creme de cassis to a cocktail, I guess, in in European, it's a term that's used to meant to refer to to cocktails with 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 uh, creme de cassis in them. Well, and and you did say if you're going to serve this, to give it a stir, uh, you have to do that. You, so you upset this beautiful kind of layering effect, but you got to do that because the creme de cassis is what what provides the sweetness in the yeah. cocktail. So you need, if you just put a straw down at the bottom, you're going to suck up a bunch of sweetness and not get, and then, and then, and then once that's gone, you've got this very sour, I would imagine cocktail afterwards. Yeah. If you drink from the straw at the bottom of the drink, you're going to get a lot of creme de cassis. And yes, that is going to be very sweet. If you drink from the top of the cocktail 
or you then finish that cocktail after you've consumed everything at the bottom, you're going to get something that Ernest Hemingway might really enjoy. But for the rest of humanity, is probably going to be overly tart uh, and gin forward. I have nothing, no problems with the gin forward part of it. The tart part is a little rough. So yes, you do need to tell the people who are enjoying your cocktail to give it a gentle stir with the straw. And that it still creates a very kind of purplish color. But I mean, I'm showing it to my brother now, to Matthew now. It's not as pretty, right? It's a pretty pink, but it's not, it's not nearly as flashy as what it starts out as. Uh, but it definitely tastes much better, for sure. And there you have it, folks. Along with my brother's summer haze, a modification to his, nay, an improvement to his former cocktail, the Summer Days. If you liked either of these cocktails enough to try them yourselves, or maybe you made something better, take a photo. Or maybe just paint a word picture. No, take a photo. Take a Scott. We should just start calling them Scots, right, Matthew? That's right. Yeah, That's take right. a Scott of it and post it on social medias where we can see it and possibly share it with other people, our other tens of listeners. Uh, we really love interacting with you guys on social media, and it really helps the show. You know what else helps the show, Matthew? Leaving a positive rating on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend or an in-law or a casual acquaintance or someone, a complete stranger. Just tell somebody. That's right. And if you don't do that, Matthew will be very sad. Uh-uh. And so Matthew's mental health is in your hands, folks. And while you're doing that, also keep in mind that we will be here on Monday when we will be drinking these very same cocktails and talking about the San Francisco Giants, a baseball team that plays baseball professionally and might be good enough to make the playoffs, but also might not. <laughs> All the more reason to drink. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, until, until Monday, Matthew. Cheers, my friend. Cheers, Ben. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Giant Cocktails Podcast. Until next time, bottoms up. Goodbye. Hasta luego. Yeah, see ya, chumps. Hasta la vista, baby. Dodgers fan says what? That's what I thought. All right, we can stop. Rockies fan says what? No. Rockies fan says, dude. What?